morning, friends. Today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, at least according to the church's calculation. And the country's calculation is Time Change Sunday. So I know some of you are maybe a little drowsy there watching. I hope I can keep you awake. My name is Ron Basler. I am a retired pastor, but I will be providing some pastoral support for the next uh, three months during our Pastor Tobin's sabbatical. And along with the, uh, the staff here at Placentia Presbyterian Church, we will be uh, continuing the, uh, the ministries of this congregation. I invite you to join me now for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, this week I made uh, an appointment with my ophthalmologist to get my eyes examined. They'd say that at my age, I know my age, it's a good thing to do that regularly. Have you checked your eyes lately? Now the church calls the seven weeks before Easter Lent, and it is a time for Christians to do checkups, spiritual checkups. We use the seven weeks before Easter to examine our hearts, our minds, our lives, and to prepare for the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to use our sermon time for an eye examination. But not this eye, not these eyes, but this eye. I believe we all need to do an eye examination because we are living in a time when many of us have definite eye problems. About eight months ago, I went to a local garage to get the oil changed in my car. And the, uh, the sign on the door said, masks required. Well, I already had my mask, so I went on in. And I was surprised when the man behind the counter was not wearing a mask. So I said, aren't you worried about COVID? And he laughed. He says, nah, I'm young. I don't have any underlying conditions except that I'm awesome. And I said, but what if you're asymptomatic and you get the virus and you pass it along to other people, some of your clients, your customers? And he laughed again. And he said, ha, not worried about that. How would they ever know it was me? Now, I believe this young man had a very serious eye problem. I do what I want. I don't care about anyone else. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine about the power outages in Texas. And we were talking about that situation. And she mentioned that if electricity went out around here, she and her husband had a solar generator to keep her freezer and refrigerator running. And then she said this. She said, solar generators are better than gas generators because they make no noise. So your neighbors don't know that you have power and they won't come to bother you. Now, they, this lady's a nice lady. She's a friend of mine, and she's a Christian. But I'm wondering if she, too, might not have an eye problem. Today's Bible reading will help us with our eye exam. Now, it's a long reading, so we're going to do it in two parts. We'll begin with Matthew 12, verses 13 to 21.
someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. That's the first part of our reading. We'll look at the second part in a little bit. Story begins with a man who wants Jesus to help him to get his, his share of the inheritance. Seems like a simple and honest request. But surprise, surprise, Jesus sort of snaps back at him. Just reminds us Jesus doesn't always give you what you want. And then Jesus tells this, the crowd a story about a farmer. Now, I grew up on a farm in North Dakota, a grain farm. So I, I know about those rare, amazing bumper crops. I remember adding storage space to hold surplus grain. And at first glance, I'd say, hey, this guy is in great shape. But God shows up and says, you fool. Now, why was he a fool? Well, the easy answer, the most obvious answer, is that this guy forgot you can't take it with you. He forgot there are no luggage racks on hearses. There are no hitches for U-Haul trailers on the car that comes out from the funeral home. Now that answer is true, but I think Jesus wants our eye exam, our eye exam, to go deeper. Why was this guy called a fool? I don't think it was because he was rich, and I don't think it was even because he built bigger barns, and I don't even think it was because he was planning for the future. I think it, he was a fool because he refused to see that he had a serious eye disease. Who does he talk to? Do you remember the story? This is how it goes. He says, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself. <laughs> so who does he talk to? Who does he consult? Does he talk to God? 
Does he thank God for the rain and the warmth and the sun that caused his great crop? Does he talk to the workers who helped him harvest all of this grain? Does he ask his community about what would be the best way to manage or even share this surplus? Who does he talk to? Who does he consult? Only himself. And I kind of wonder who, with whom he is going to eat, drink, and be merry. It sounds like a party of one. This man is a fool because all he can see is himself, his needs, his wants, his security, his future. He has a very serious eye problem. Now the Bible says, the Bible tells us that this eye problem, this tendency to put ourselves at the center of our thinking, this egocentric thinking, this is a problem as old as Adam and Eve. And it is the root of so many troubles in our world, and it is, the heart of, is at the heart of everything we call sin. And right now, I believe we're seeing a very serious flare-up of this eye disease. As Mindy mentioned, we're one year into this pandemic. One of the reasons for this flare-up of the eye disease, I think, is the pandemic. Because the, the, this pandemic threatens the physical health of people around the world, but it also threatens the world's spiritual health. It increases the danger of this ever-lurking eye disease. I don't know about the rest of the world, but in this country, the pandemic has caused all of us to become more self-absorbed than usual. Just think about it. So many of us sitting at home, we curl in upon ourselves, we think about ourselves, we focus on ourselves. Some of you remember one year ago how this all began. Remember how people were fighting in the stores over bottles of water and toilet paper. This is my water. This is my paper. I saw it first. Give it to me. And then we saw, and we're still seeing, strange battles around masks. For many people, wearing a mask isn't about community health. It becomes a matter of my rights, my decisions, my privileges. And now... Sadly, we're seeing battles over vaccines. Some people are dressing up and pretending to be seniors so they can get at the head of the line. For me, one of the saddest stories of this eye disease came out of Canada. I don't know if you saw this. A couple from Vancouver, Canada, flew, chartered a plane, and flew up to the Yukon out into a, a Native American vaccination site, pretended to be workers at a local resort, and got, in, got the vaccine ahead of the elders in that community. Now, we can see plenty of examples of this eye disease, but Lent isn't about pointing fingers. Lent is a time to examine ourselves. So as I'm writing my sermon, I said, okay, Ron Basler, <laughs> Today, you need to ask yourself, along with everyone else, where do I struggle with this eye disease? I think back to that rich farmer. I don't have a barn full of wheat, but I have my pension. I have my investment portfolio. I have my bank account. I have my house. Can I take life easy? Do I have enough so I can kick back and relax and eat, drink, and be merry? <sighs> Doggone it. 
<laughs> I don't know about you, but when I talk with my Lord Jesus, when I pray and meditate, when I worship, I'd rather talk about faith, hope, and love. I don't want to think about or talk about my spending habits or my budget or my pension investments or my financial security. Give me faith, hope, and love. Don't mess with my life. But friends, if you spend any time reading the words of Jesus, if you actually sit down and read through the four Gospels, you'll discover that Jesus talks about rich and poor, saving and spending, almost more than any other topic. If you and I are serious about this eye examination, then we, we need to wrestle every day, how much is enough? We need to examine our lives and think about where the line is between our greed and our need. We need to ask ourselves, if all of these material things are a blessing from God, how will I as a follower of Jesus use these blessings? Jesus finishes up part one of our reading with these words. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Are we storing up things for ourselves? Or are we rich toward God? Rich toward God, that's a nice phrase. What does it mean? What does a life rich toward God look like? What does a bank account rich toward God look like? What does a lifestyle rich toward God look like? Well, we're going to turn now to part two of our reading for some clues. So let's look at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what uh, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will God clothe you, you of little faith, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and God knows that you need them. But seek God's realm, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For God has been pleased to give you the realm. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be 
also. Well, first off, Jesus tells us in the second part of this reading, he tells us the cause of our eye disease. He tells us that our eye disease is caused by fear and worry. Five times in this short little reading, he says, do not worry. Oh boy. You know, if I could, have, if I could add an hour to every, for every time I worry, I'd be a million years old. Jesus says, do not worry. We are afflicted, Jesus says, by this eye disease because we're worried. I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of my own. I got to secure my future. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. When, when we think that our life depends strictly on our doing, when we believe that our well-being, all meaning, and all existence is totally up to us, we will worry. And we will get trapped by our anxious eye disease. So first off, Jesus diagnoses our disease. And then Jesus gives us the antidote the treatment for our eye disease. And at first glance, it's a strange medicine. And like the Pfizer vaccine that I got last week, it comes in two shots, two doses. For the first dose, Jesus says, lift up your eyes, turn your eye uh, away from yourself, and look outward. Look at the birds, look at the flowers. Now, I go walking early every morning. Boy, this morning it was really early. I pass by my roses, and some of them are already in glorious bloom. Then I walk in the park, and the birds are flinging their songs into the dawning light. Jesus says, look at the birds, look at the flowers. What do they teach us? First off, they teach us dependence. They teach us that everything we are, everything we have, is a gift. Here's something that I have to keep telling myself. Do you realize that if God wanted to destroy the universe, if God wanted to destroy this world, if God wanted to destroy you, God wouldn't have to do a thing? God would simply stop doing what God is doing every second of every day. You see, all of us, all of this world, all of this universe is is being held together by God instant by instant. Every pulse of every star, every beat of your heart, every breath that you take is a gift from God. We are dependent. We were created to be dependent upon the never-ending love of God. To be rich toward God is to recognize this. To be rich toward God is to say yes to our dependence. To be rich toward God is to step back from the things in our life and consider why. Why God has given them to us and how best we might use them to serve God. So the first dose, the first shot, the first vaccine to treat our eye disease is this. We admit when we embrace our dependence. The second dose of medicine to treat our eye disease is this. We admit our limits. Jesus reminds us, brothers and sisters, 
The grass withers, the flower fades, and you, my dear friends, you will one day die too. You were created out of the earth, and to the earth you will return. Now, since God created us to be dependent and limited, we can surrender our frantic attempts to create earthly independence and security. Anything we manage to create with this frantic, frantic striving is ultimately an illusion. So, I know some of you are thinking this now. Does this mean then we kick back? We simply go with the flow. If we manage to cure our eye disease, do we simply stop working, stop seeking, stop striving, stop moving? Well, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, stop running after such things. Your creator God knows that you need them. But, seek God's kingdom. And these things will be given to as well. So we fight our eye disease by seeking God's kingdom. We fight our eye disease by striving to help build the world that God wants to build. That's how we become rich toward God. And that's not some airy, fluffy, super up-in-the-air spiritual thing. This is about real life in the real world. Now earlier on, I mentioned how this pandemic that we're still in is such a spiritual threat and how it spreads this eye disease. But there's another side to this story. There is actually a positive side. And in the middle of this pandemic, during these 12 months, many of you, my brothers and sisters at Placentia Presbyterian Church, have helped me fight my eye disease. Because I see you working to help build the world that God wants. And I'm inspired. I see some of you uh, sewing face masks by the hundreds, by the thousands. I see some of you giving hundreds and hundreds of boxes of food for the hungry. And we'll be doing another food gathering this week. I see you turning outward. Turning toward families and individuals in need. And I'm inspired to do the same. I see, I join dozens and dozens of volunteers at Charity's Closet, sorting donations, selling items to support the ministry of his house, the Homeless Intervention Shelter. This is how we become rich toward God. And speaking of his house, I've been inspired by its ongoing work helping the homeless find homes and by their new programs helping match homeless college students with seniors with, who have room in their homes. Seeking to build the world that God wants. I see some of you working, striving to normalize and legalize the status of immigrants in this country. Seeking to support those who want to be positive contributors to the society. And I see so many of you carrying on with your work in the midst of disruptions. Wrestling with Zoom. New routines, new schedules, doing what you can to keep life for all of us afloat and doing it with good spirit. I see young families represented here. Amazing men and women who are working from home and helping their children with school, uh, doing incredible juggling efforts and still managing to smile once in a while at the end of the day. Inspiring models for us all. So this pandemic has certainly threatened us with the dreaded 
eye disease, but the pandemic has also given us so many living examples of what it means to pour yourselves out for others. Healthcare workers, teachers, grocery clerks, the list goes on and on and on. So, brothers and sisters, three weeks, in three weeks we will celebrate Easter. God's declaration that love is stronger than hate, love is stronger than death. God's powerful love for you is the ultimate cure for your disease, for your eye disease. May that love surround you. May it wash over you. May it embrace you. And in that love, may your restless hearts find its rest. Amen. Let's pray. Loving God, your word continues to challenge us to break into our frantic lives with news, with news that rocks us, challenges us, comforts us, and stirs us. May we continue to live in the power of your all-powerful word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.